welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Yeah. Are there a lot of married people in the room? Raise your hand if you're married. Yeah? (laughs) All right. So, uh may or may not know this but typically when you get married there's something you find out when you are sharing a bed with this person and that is that one of the two of you is the blanket thief (laughs) and i just wanted to share with you what i have found (laughs) helpful in this situation because i'm married to a very large man and he happens to be the blanket thief so (laughs) <laughs> so if, if, this is, if this is a situation you deal with, you don't have kids yet, it might not be an issue. But when you get kids, sometimes you get sandwiched between kids and the blanket thief, and you wake up with a sheet and nothing else. Landon is that person in my life. He leaves me to freeze to death in the middle of the night. And I wake up, and I'm like reaching... I feel a kid. I'm like, oh, there's a kid in here. Oh, another, th- there's another kid not laying the right way. And then I'm like, where's the blanket? I get over to where Landon is, and I'm like, this, so this is what you have to do, okay? You roll towards them, grab the blanket, tuck and roll, and just keep rolling. <laughs> and they will never get the blanket back again. Uh, I'm kind of kidding. I only roll once because I roll so well that I tuck it under me. And then I lay there and pretend to be asleep while he's yanking at it. Until I know that I have won. <laughs> He's like, can we just each have our own blanket? <laughs> I'm like, no, this is our marriage bed. We're going to share our blanket. So that's how you have success in your marriage. Learn how to steal the blanket back. I'm not kidding. If you just roll enough, just like tuck it and roll with it, like it is locked under you and they will not be able to get it back. All right. It, sleeping is a big deal at our house. It's kind of like each to their own like you're on your own you got to figure it out find a blanket find a soft place like fight for your sleep people who have kids you know this when it comes to sleep you're like I love you but I'm on the couch I love you scoot over I love you go to your bed okay it's enough about sleeping but that was like I had this epiphany this weekend so I wanted to share it with everybody I was like oh I actually have a strategy I don't understand why he's okay letting me freeze in the middle of the night but I know how to get it back no, I just thought that was something fun to share. Um, so with the kids being in here, I had this message on my heart for the last week, and I kept thinking, you know, how can I make this message applicable to the kids? How can I make a good, a good message that is um, easy for them to understand but also connects with the adults? And I think I got a good one. So I'm going to talk today about being aware of your need of God. I think that across the board can be something everyone everyone needs to hear, every can, everyone can have more of. Um, growing up, I told you a little bit, like my grandpa took me to church, but I somehow was aware that I had an emptiness inside me. Somehow I was aware that there is this pain inside of me that I can't fix, no one can heal, and it's not even anyone's fault. I had this awareness that I needed something. And as a teenager, I'd find myself like in the middle of the night just praying like this little kid prayer that my someone taught me when I was a kid you know now I lay me down to sleep and I'd be like seriously praying that prayer though because I could feel this thing inside of me like 
oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I'm like, I don't know what anxiety is at the time, but this thing inside of me, is, it's so painful. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to fix it, but I just knew when I feel that, I would start praying this little kid prayer. And as I got older, teen, college, I started reading the Bible and I, I found it was God. <laughs> this deep emptiness inside of me, it is a thing that only God can fill. Do you know that? I know lots of times we like go to all these things. We feel a little anxious, a little stressed. We need to unwind. We go to these things and they're comforting at times, but they will never, ever, ever fill that thing. They will never heal the pain of not being seen or heard. They will never comfort you in the way that you need to be comforted. And I think across the board, no matter your age, you need to know that. That is your cry for God. That is oh, when I feel that, I need to know in my mind, I am in need of God, and I need to get in his presence. And not just be in his presence, like put a worship song on, but be touched by God. When we're in God's presence, we have to be aware of our need of him so that we can be touched by him. If we aren't aware of our need of God, so many things can come in. Pride, (coughs) jealousy, anger, anything can get in there. When we are in need of our God, we, it humbles us. And when we are humble before God, we can be touched by God. And I know it's such a good message for kids because kids go to school. Kids have friends. Kids are figuring out, I have feelings. I have thoughts. These things affect me. And they're figuring out how to maneuver through that in life. And if we can teach our kids to listen, if we can teach our kids what that thing is inside of you, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's not that that person got the thing you wanted. It's you, have an, you need to have an awareness of this need for God. That thing inside of you that you think it's all this external stuff, it's actually your soul crying out for God, for the only person, the only thing that can ever meet that need. That's God. So it's important to start with um, being born again right? There's probably tons of people in the room. They're like, oh, I know this message. I've been born again. Like when I was four, I was born again, you know, but there's an awareness that you have to have of your need of God when you say, yes, I want to be born again. So we all know we get born once and we come out of our parents and we're an elephant. We're a butterfly. No, we come out of our parents. We're a monkey. No. (laughs) I didn't know if I should throw that one in there. When we come out of our parents, we are human. We are born of where we come from. We are born of our parents. We are born from humans, so we come out human, right? Everyone in this room is a human. Everyone you're sitting next to is a human. They might behave like monkeys, but they're humans. Are you a butterfly? Yeah. Were you born from butterflies? That one's kind of tricky. Are you born from butterflies? Are you born from caterpillars? I don't know. That wasn't a good one for me. But we have this first birth. We are born from humans. And there is a second birth. It's the only time that we get to be born again. After that first birth of being born of our parents, we are born of God. When we are born again, we actually say to Jesus, I need you. I need everything you purchased on the cross. I need you to come into my life and give me all that you have. I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. And that's something that can only come from our heart. That can't come any other way. It can't from come being forced. You can't force your kids. You can't force your kids to be saved. Isn't that scary as a parent? That is like the most terrifying thing. When I had Hope, she was like six months old. I just was at the park with her one day and I just had this panic. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't make her love you. Like, 
oh my gosh, I'm powerless. Like I can like teach her Bible verses. I can tell her stories. I can bring her to church, but like I can't make her heart love you. Like I couldn't make Amber love Dave. I tried really hard. Eventually it worked out, but like I was powerless. (laughs) We can't make anybody's heart have affection for anybody else. Do you realize that? Like we cannot, that is outside our control. And I felt God so sweetly at, at this moment in the park. Awesome park, by the way. Uh, And he just said, don't you trust me? Like, I'm the lover of her soul. I'm going to woo her. And I was just like, oh, I don't trust you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't trust you. I'm scared. (laughs) I'm so scared that she's going to live her life with this this huge hole, this pain that's going to fester and drive her to do terrible things. I'm terrified of that happening because I know that if she gets you, she can have a much better life. I know that if she can just feel your love for her, she will be changed forever. And I'm scared because I know I can't make that happen. I can only put it around her. I can only bring her around God and the Bible. I can't make her heart say, God, I need you. God, I realize this thing inside of me is something only you can fill. And so it's, it's a humbling thing, but it's It just drew me into God to trust God as he is the love of our soul. He is the great pursuer. He pursued me. I didn't even grow up in the church, and I'm up here teaching from the Bible. I'm a female pastor in the South. (laughs) That's it. I'm done. (laughs) Did you know that, girls? You can be a female pastor. Okay. Oh, my goodness. That's kind of scary. So we want to put that scripture up, John 1. Children, oh wait, you got to go back to, that's not it. I can read it. It says this, but to all who did receive Jesus, that's when we say, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life, when we say that out of our heart, to those who believed in the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God, children born of God. Now, this is why I said earlier, when we are born of our parents, we come out human. Because when we are born of God, we come out a child of God. It says heirs of God. Romans 8, 17 says we are co-heirs with Jesus. When you got born again, did you believe that? Did you realize that when you got born again, when you said, I want you to be the Savior and Lord of my life, Jesus, did you realize that you were stepping up as a child of God, an heir of God, a co-heir with Jesus? See, I think we don't always realize what happens when we say that to Jesus. Everything from our past, all of our sinful nature, all of our sinful nature, all of our sinful nature, all of our mistakes, all of our sinful nature. Who needs to hear that? All of our sinful nature. The banner that says, I am a sinner, that is buried with Jesus for three days just like he was. And then we are resurrected just like he was on the third day. And It doesn't stop there. It keeps getting better. We get his holiness and his righteousness. Our spirit is completely whole when we get born again. Do you know that? That's why it's so important that we don't call ourselves sinners. We are not of that. That's saying God is of that. And that is a kingdom divided, and that is not who he is. We are children of God. We have to take off that label of sinner and leave it in the grave. And we have to put on our royal robes as sons and daughters, as co-heirs with Jesus. So when we come up with him, when we get saved like that, and we get his holiness and his righteousness in our spirit, 
that's done. The Holy Spirit can now come live inside of us. The Holy Spirit cannot comp compromise his holiness. So the Holy Spirit cannot come upon us if that's not really happening, if that didn't really happen. When we get saved, we are made holy in our spirit, so Holy Spirit can come inside of us. Do you know why this is so important? Because we have this journey of getting our soul and our body to come into this alignment of holiness. We are made to look like Jesus, but it's a, it is a journey of sanctification. We need the Holy Spirit to do that, though. The Holy Spirit is the one that wills us to live and act accordingly, to be Christ-like. When God sees us, he sees Jesus. Do you know that? This is so important. In the Old Testament, God could not come around when there was not holiness because he couldn't compromise his holiness. That's why he gave us Jesus, because he is a good father who just wants to be near us. This is so important that we understand this and believe this. Because we will just sit in lies and fester if we don't stand up and know who we are. Completely holy and righteous because of him. Full of the Holy Spirit. That is God. Do you know the Holy Spirit is God? We have God in us. God. <laughs> God. Like God. One third of God. I'm going to come live inside of you. If you ever need to be humbled. God lives inside of us. So the Old Testament, God couldn't go around holiness, so he gave us Jesus because he's madly in love with us and he's a good father who wants to be near us and he wanted to give us the Holy Spirit so we would be powerful over everything and we would have everything we need to make our mind, will, and emotions, that's our soul, every thought, every feeling, every behavior come out of us and look just like Jesus so that the world will look at us and see God. The world will look at us and see Jesus. That's the goal of sanctification. Everyone around us will look at us and see our good Father. We'll see everything Jesus paid for on the cross. Manifesting in us, not by our efforts, but by our yes. By the renewing of our mind, the Holy Spirit will carry it all out in our soul and our body. We are body, soul, and spirit beings. Just like God the Father is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have a spirit that's made holy and righteous as soon as we get born again. And we have a soul and a body that gets to work our sanctification out. Isn't this such a good story? This is our, this is our God. This is our faith. This is our life. This is, this is what it means to be a Christian. We have everything we ever need. Are you aware of your need of Jesus? When the world looks at us, they will see him. That is our promise. And it's never done until it's done. He continues to take us from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory until we look just like him. In our body, that means we're completely healed from everything. He took every affliction, every sickness, every curse, every sin, every punishment. He took all of those things upon himself and they are buried with him and nailed to the cross, and they are no longer ours or on us. That means we get to live free in our mind to love ourselves, to love others, to receive the love of God, to stand up confident as sons and daughters, to not struggle with selfish ambition or jealousy, to be completely like Jesus, completely free. 
So I want to tell you this story. This story has been on my mind. Like, I mean, I just sit and picture this story, and I just am undone. It's the story of the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5. The story of this woman. This woman, I'm going to tell you the story, don't worry. This woman had the issue of bleeding for 12 years. 12 years she had an issue of bleeding. It's basically like she was on her period for 12 years. This is over 2,000 years ago. So imagine like the lack of technology there, women. That's, that's like real struggle. Okay, she has the issue of bleeding for 12 years. She gives everything she has to get well and she only got worse. Okay, that's this woman. Jesus is in the midst of a crowd, surrounded by his disciples, on a mission to go heal a 12-year-old girl. He is moving down the street, and this woman somehow gets to him. This woman, the issue of blood for 12 years, she's likely anemic. I don't know if you understand this. When you don't have the right blood amount in your body, you become anemic, which means you are fatigued. This weak woman, likely covered in blood and old blood, just being real, somehow gets through a crowd of men, healthy disciples, to a man named Jesus who's moving along. Somehow this woman gets there. Do you know why? Because she was aware of her need. And she knew, if I can just get to him, if I can just get to him, if I can just get to him, if I just touch his garment. She didn't even touch him. She touched his garment. That means she's probably on the ground, covered in dirt, covered in blood, weak. And she pushed and she pushed and she pushed and she got to him. And this is what he said. This is, who touched me? How could he say something so ridiculous? Around him is, are all his disciples. Around his disciples is a crowd. And he says, who touched me? How could he say that? Because everyone was around him and in his presence and not touching him. They were all near him, knowing who he was, yet not knowing their need for him. They were right there next to him on a mission to see him perform a miracle. And yet he did, they were not touching him like this woman touched him. This woman in a time and a religion and a law that said, you are not welcomed here. You cannot be in the presence of men. It is forbidden for you to touch a high priest when you are bleeding like that. She pushed through all that rejection. She pushed through all the fear. She was breaking every cultural norm, every law. Her religion said no, and she just said, I have to touch him. I have to touch him. And she got her touch. And you know what it says? Immediately she was made well. Immediately she was aware that her suffering had ended. Immediately. This is a big deal because she had gone on for 12 years. Do you know what it looks like to go through something for 12 years? I can't imagine it being easy. I can't imagine being like, you know what? Oh, you know, Jesus is walking through. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk over and see if I can get him to heal me. No, she was probably discouraged, but she had probably grown this huge muscle because she had pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, and she had persevered. And when we persevere, we grow great confidence. And she knew in her mind, if I can just touch him, 
Do we walk around aware of that need? I want to not be sick and aware of that need. I want to be fully healthy and aware of my need of God, that I need a touch of God. I need to just be near God. I want that desperation. I don't want it to take me getting sick or take something horrible happening in my life. You know, we Christians say that a lot. Like, we go through this horrible thing and we're like, you know what, but I'm just so grateful because I got to be so close to God. You know why you were so close to God? Because you were so aware of your need of him. True humility. We have to be aware of our need of God, not because we need him to heal us or deliver us, but because we know who he is and we know he is the only one who can fill us up and touch us. He is the only one, and he is so worth our time and attention. I love what this woman pushed through. No woman is ever going to have it as hard as that woman. Can you imagine the rejection that woman had to go through? Can you imagine the fear of punishment that woman had to go through? And she just knew, if I can just get to him, if I can just touch him. I want that desperation in my heart. And then Jesus says this, who touched me? And she says, at his feet, laying at his feet, she's trembling with fear. I don't think she's trembling with fear because of Jesus. I think she knows the one who healed her is fully, fully trustworthy. I think she's trembling with fear because she knows all of those men are ready to kill her to punish her for breaking the laws of the time and the religion and the culture. But she said, it was me. And you know, Jesus didn't ridicule her. He didn't say, woman, what are you doing here? You're in the presence of men. You're bleeding. I'm the high priest and you're touching me? Jesus didn't do that. I'd love to read you what he did, but he said something like, get up, you're healed, I love you. <laughs> I didn't write that part down. But I know it, that's what he said, I read it. <laughs> I more wanted to talk about everything that she was facing, everything around her, all of the rejection. Have you ever been in a room when you're not wanted? A room you're not wanted a law that's against you, a religion that's against you. The culture, that time, and that woman pushed through. She was so aware of her need of God. We're going to have the band come back up because I think it's so important that we worship God out of an awareness of our need. You guys can come up if you want to get ready that we worship God out of this place. When we come to church, when we put worship on at home, that we don't just put it on and take it for granted, that we can be touched by God. He is fully present, always available. The only thing between us and a touch from God is our heart, our posture, our awareness, our choosing to humble ourselves and say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I need a touch from you. I want to be like this woman who was able to be in God's presence and be touched. Don't you want to be like that? So I want to pray. Holy Spirit, come. Come in a new way. Touch all the hearts in here. We want to be aware of our need of God. I just want everybody to close their eyes. And if you haven't been born again, I just want you to raise your hand with every eye closed. If you have not said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life, I just want you to raise your hand. Nobody's going to see. I just want to pray for you. 
If there's any kids in here who haven't said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I'm so grateful you saved me. I can feel it in my heart that I need you. When I'm at school, when people are mean, when things are confusing, I need you, God. And I want to know how to get touched by you. I want your love to fill me. Good. You can put your hands down. You can keep your eyes closed. Now I'm just going to pray. If you want to come up front, you can come up front around the stage. I just want to encourage you to step out and to worship God in a way that you would worship him in a room alone, in a way where you're not scared of the person next to you seeing you. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you that we can we can worship you, that we can see you, we can be touched by you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.